0: Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing.
1: Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Today on the podcast, we're on the road to Knott County, to Heinemann, the home of the Heinemann Settlement School. Founded in 1902 as the first rural social settlement school in the United States, Heinemann is committed to providing education and service opportunities for people in the mountains of Appalachia. I visited with Heinemann Settlement School's new executive director, Will Anderson. Will, welcome to Think Humanities Podcast. It's uh, great to be in Heinemann, by the way, and uh, I know uh, you might uh, say the same thing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm just really getting used to the community still. I've uh, been here about uh, three weeks uh, and really enjoying it.
1: So, Will Anderson, tell me about uh, your background and what brought you to Kentucky.
0: Well, I, um, you know, I've always had a heart for service to my community and uh had uh, kind of diverted away from the corporate world. I spent most of my career working you know, in a for-profit environment. Uh, it was a type of uh, job that put me on the road quite a bit. I would spend you know, as much as 120 nights a year away from home, and I just don't see that as a, as a good quality of life. And so I wanted to kind of make that switch. I spent a year at the University of Oregon uh, getting a graduate certificate in nonprofit management, and uh, was really looking for a place where I could really play an important role in a community. I was initially up in Wisconsin for a couple of years, two and a half years, um, and I really enjoyed it. Really nice community, and it was a really hard uh, decision for me to leave that. But I just can't imagine a better place than Hyman Settlement School to you know, kind of serve out my career. I figure I've got you know, 12 or 15 years left in my career, and I really hope that I spend every one of them here.
1: What's the process like, or what was it like for you to discover a job opening in uh, a, a remote part of uh, Kentucky, a remote part of the world, if you will? What uh, Were you seeking another position, or did this come to you uh, by uh,
0: mention uh, of someone else? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, when I was attending the University of Oregon, I subscribed to all these different uh, job boards and things. And really wasn't looking, but they kind of tend to keep coming in your, in your inbox to your, you know, uh, email. And it was one that kind of came through my, my inbox. I just happened to notice, you know, what it talked about. And I really love a rural environment. I mean, coming from Alaska, uh, I just like small towns. I love the pace of life. Uh, you know, I like, uh, I don't like being... You know, on a freeway during rush hour, you know, taking an hour to get you know to and from work, I just hate that sort of thing. And so, this was kind of my ideal, what I'd really hoped for uh, when I left Alaska, and so I just couldn't pass it up.
1: Do you remember generally uh, what the description of Hindman, uh Settlement School was, uh, and what caught your eye?
0: Well, I was actually familiar with you know the settlement school uh, model. You know, I had uh, kind of identified it as you know the type of place that I'd like to be and so I was I was kind of um, you know queuing on the settlement school phrase and uh, and when I saw it it definitely caught my interest and uh, read more about it and you know I'm, I'm actually really good at due diligence of you know I I pull up 990s and I you know I like to make sure that it's a good fit for me uh, I think that's the most important part about you know finding a job it needs to be a good match both ways, you know, for me and for the organization. And I just looked at what, you know, Hyman Settlement School does, saw that there was a lot of connecting points with my background and my passions. And uh, like I said, I just couldn't pass it up.
1: Tell us a a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, um, schooling. uh, What prepared you for this trip to Kentucky?
0: Well, I was born in Kodiak, Alaska. It's a small coastal community up in Alaska uh, not exactly, you know, what Heinemann is. Uh, it's a long way from the ocean. I think that's the one uh, kind of drawback is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a maritime person. I love being out on the water. I love you know having a boat and being out in the ocean, that kind of thing. But um, there were just so many other things I liked about it. And as far as, um, you know, I, I, I was born in Kodiak, but I didn't really grow up entirely there. My dad worked uh, civil service for the Navy, uh, the Navy base in Kodiak closed, it converted to a Coast Guard base, and it was an opportunity for my parents to move out of Alaska. So we moved to Washington State, uh, Woodby Island, Oak Harbor. And so I uh, went, you know, through, uh, you know, junior high, high school, that sort of thing there. But my heart was always in Alaska. I would go back every summer, you know, the day after school got out, I would fly up and I'd spend it with my grandparents and my my uncles and aunts and kind of things up in Alaska. Um, you
1: worked um, at a fishery?
0: I did. And what was kind of fun about it is um, I have a picture of my grandfather uh, running a, a tender. You know, A tender is a boat that would go out and uh, pick up fish from the fishermen. Uh, and I know that my dad worked at the very same facility that I worked at, and then I worked there. Uh, so there's kind of a family history of you know, being involved in the industry, and you, you can't avoid it, you know, Kodiak is a, is a fisheries community, it kind of very much revolves around the fisheries industry, and so it was a natural fit for me, and it really came about because, um, you know, prior to that, uh, when I was in high school, I worked at a lumber yard, uh, Paul Bunyan Lumber, you know, and I, I helped fill lumber orders, and I'd make deliveries of lumber, and that kind of thing, and, and it was a, a good thing for a high school Student. In fact, it was a really good job for somebody in high school. But uh, one summer, rather than work there, I took a trip to India. Uh, I spent a couple weeks in China and then uh, not quite two and a half months traveling around India. I was with a a group of other uh, college students from all over the country. We were a group of, I think, 120 college students. And we were actually the first big group to go into communist China. It was in the early 80s. Uh, China had just opened up and they actually gave us some commemorative stuff saying we were the very first group to come into China like that. Um, And then, you know, that trip around India was just an incredible experience. You know, it's awe-inspiring. And it really, well, it it sparked an interest in international travel, but it was an interest that was always there. I, I love exploring. I love seeing new things. I love learning new things. But what it did is rather than you know, spending the summer earning money, I spent every penny I had. I mean, when I got back from that trip, I you know, I had like $5 in, you know, in my checking account kind of thing. And so I really struggled that next uh, school year, and I needed to do something different. And so I went to work in Alaska, where, you know, I remember when I uh, flew up there, my grandmother gave me $100 uh, to kind of provide me with what I needed to get, you know, to get through the summer. And I didn't even spend that whole hundred dollars because there's no place to spend the money. And I, every penny I earned, I took home with me and it allowed me to pay my tuition and my living costs. And I did that every year for well, nine years. I mean, quite a long time. Cause when I finished my degree, uh, that organization offered me a full-time job. So
1: it worked for you.
0: It did. Yeah. And I really like it. You know, I, I like being out, Uh, away from the town you know we it it was a place called Port Bailey and uh, you know you had to fly in there was a little road that led up to their water supply but other than that it was just wilderness so I really I really like that kind of thing.
1: When you uh, first thought about um, entertaining the idea that Heinemann might be the place for you and you read the description again what were the uh, the key words that uh, might have uh, rung true to you uh, that really made you look in give it a second look maybe look into it more seriously sure. at the time sure
0: well you know i'm of alaska native descent and i come from a culture uh, that was kind of wiped out through two periods of of assimilation first when the russians came to alaska you know there was a gravitation towards the Russian culture versus the, the Alaska Native culture, and even today, if um, you, you know there was a community gathering and you said you know, bring a traditional Native dish, it would be a Russian dish. You know, so so um, and then after uh, the U.S. bought um, Alaska, there was another period of assimilation, and so there was this scrubbing of our culture. And so it left me with kind of a, of a hunger to learn about my culture. And so a lot of my life I've spent traveling all over the world uh, looking for um, our physical culture. There are museums in um, uh, Finland, uh, France, Estonia, Russia, Spain, the U.K., and I've, and I've seen literally every collection that I know of and have worked with those museums to photograph and document objects that came from Kodiak in the, you know, the imperial age where, you know, things were taken from cultures, and and so that really instilled in me um, a, a belief that that culture is really important to you know your identity and your 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 mental health and your physical well-being, that being connected to your culture is really, really important. And I saw that at Heinemann. I, I saw that the emphasis on um, preserving culture and celebrating culture and understanding how all the elements of, of culture fit together, you know, you know the, the traditional foods, the traditional music, you know, language and writing, you know, all those things are just building blocks to having a healthy life, and I wanted to be a part of that.
1: Do you think that um, that healthy life that you just described uh, manifests itself here uh, in Heinemann with the the younger students, um, the visitors that come in for writing conferences? Do they take away from here uh, that uh, passion that you just described?
0: I, I, I have to believe so. That I think any time you can you can learn about um, the the history of a place and and how you fit into that place um, it 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 takes a sense of I believe a sense of pride and a sense of comfort uh, when you go anywhere else you might be in the world to know that you're you're grounded in a place and a, and a culture and a, and a history um, I think it's just fantastic
1: What can you tell me about the first day that you set foot on this very revered earth uh, that has been here uh, so long. In fact, uh, the oldest uh, settlement school in America. Uh, what are your first remembrances about being here?
0: Well, I definitely felt um, very calm, you know, and, and very, um, I felt very connected. I really did because I, I just like, you know, the, the grounds have, you know, are just oozing with, History And and I just really felt that uh, right from the start. And um, I loved going into the Mike Mullins uh, Center and and seeing the the portraits of the past uh, executive directors of this organization. And it just really made me feel like I really want to be a part of that.
1: What do you want outsiders to know about Heinemann?
0: Well... I see this uh, institution doing so many great things in the community from uh, the dyslexia uh, that, you know, they've uh, focused on for more than 40 years, but some of the things that are more forward looking like, um, you know, trying to instill an entrepreneurial spirit in the young people in the community, because, you know, the fact is, you know, this area of Kentucky has a lot of economic challenges and, Anytime you have that situation, there's a tendency for it to draw away the best and the brightest. You know, they, they go off to get an education, they get a job somewhere far away, and you, you kind of lose the ability to really strengthen the community. But I think that there are, you know, in in today's modern age, there are so many things that you can do from Heinemann, uh, you know, certainly IT related, but, you know, you know, agriculture, growing specialty products, um, you know, th- there's a very long list of things that that can take place right here. And so I would love for this organization to be a catalyst to give, you know, young, bright people the hope that they can live in a place that they love and, and earn a good living, you know, have a great life, you know, maintain all the connections you have with your family and your culture, and uh, uh, I do, I think that this organization can play a role in that, and, and I want I want that to happen.
1: Have you lived in any other uh, location or traveled the world where a sense of place was uh, more important than it is here in Kentucky and in a place like Heinemann? I,
0: I don't think more important, but certainly as important. You know, the last three years that I lived in Alaska, I lived in um, a very small uh, Alaska native village called Kotzebue, and communities like that um, are very tight-knit and very grounded in their culture, you know, that um, you know, it's not something that they've been disconnected from in, in, in Kotzebue because... Um, It's so far north that it it didn't have as much of an intrusion from outsiders as where I'm from in Kodiak, where, you know, the very first um, Russian settlement in Alaska was in Three Saints Bay on Kodiak Island. And so, you know, we had really the longest uh, contact with outsiders, uh, you know, than any other, you know, native group in Alaska. So
1: let me read a a couple of phrases from your website, which you uh, are uh, already familiar with and have some response to. Uh, But these are the first words that people see, outsiders see, when they're looking at the Heinemann Settlement School. Celebrating heritage, uh, changing lives. We are improving lives by addressing critical issues surrounding literacy, food insecurity, and access to traditional arts. So let's take those three and kind of break them down and tell me what you find... uh, at Heinemann about addressing uh, literacy and how you want to build on that and enhance uh, the the literacy uh, the literary arts that come out of Heinemann?
0: Well certainly and you know first of all I, I think about you know the 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 math and reading tutoring that we do through our dyslexia program because at a young age being able to read well is so foundational to your entire life and and you know the path that your life takes in terms of education. And if you are unable to read well, then you know your future is limited. I mean, it's it's just a fact. It you know it, it's limited. And so um, I I love that Hyman Settlement School focuses on that. And I think there is a tremendous opportunity to share all the expertise that's been developed over 40 years of programming and uh, become an organization that trains others on, on how to do what we do, because we've been very successful, very effective. And, you know, one of the challenges is that, you know, you can only do so much in your community. I mean, you know, you know, it, it's a, you know there are school districts and there's just a certain number of students, um, but you can expand that reach by training others from other communities, from other regions. Uh, so I think that's one area where I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth. Is it
1: naive uh, to think that there are more children with dyslexia in the mountains than there are in western Kentucky? I,
0: I don't believe that's the case. I, you know, I think, th- well... I really haven't studied that, but you know I understand that on average, one in five children suffer from dyslexia, and um, I had read somewhere I think that rate might be a little bit higher here, but I don't think that it's you know, so much different that there isn't a similar need elsewhere in the state uh, for the type of programming that we, we do.
1: I would bet that if you said food insecurity to somebody living in a, uh, a nice neighborhood in Louisville or Paducah or Owensboro or Pikeville for that matter, they might not relate or really understand what you're talking about. So when Heinemann emphasizes working on food insecurity, what where do you see the need and how do you define it?
0: Well, that's one area that I really feel familiar with, uh, having lived in the Arctic, where um, the issue in a community like that is to go to a grocery store uh, to buy, you know, store packaged food, it's so expensive that it's unaffordable in a lot of cases. And so in communities like that, um, we call it subsistence, where, you know, uh, a person would go out and, and take a caribou or a seal uh, or a walrus, something like that, and, and put that food up and, and that would sustain the family, you know, through through the winter sort of thing. Um, it's not all that different here in, in that um, there needs to be healthy, high-quality food that's affordable to the people in the community, and I don't know that that's the case, you know, that I think there is a certain segment of the population that, you know, can't afford to buy organic produce and you know, those sorts of things. And so to be able to grow your own food, to, you know, to raise, you know, your own chickens, things like that is a really important part of of having a healthy lifestyle. I think, you know, when I, I just get concerned that, um, you know, there's a tendency when you go to a store that there's so many sugars and, and, and different ingredients in, in foods that are attractive and you know, they're enticing, but they're not necessarily healthy. And so um, instilling in the community, you know, the pride that comes from being able to, you know, kind of be self-sustaining and and grow good, healthy food, I think is tremendous. I love it.
1: Is that something that is uh, taught here at Heinemann? Is it instructed or is it something that, uh, is it more than just a community garden?
0: Oh, it's far more than a community garden. You know, we we provide seeds, we provide instruction, we provide support, training. Um, you know, and I I see it as trying to create a sense of community around um, you know a common goal of of being very good at at raising your own food. And I, I'm excited about it because um, you know I want to I want to get involved. I want to have my own garden. I want to learn. Uh, you know, I want to. Uh, very much engage uh, because it's it's fun it's fun to you know plant something in the spring and you know have you know beautiful tomatoes or you know broccoli or whatever it might be Um, it just feels good to have gone through that process and then you know one of the things I would literally love to do in the arctic I would go out and you know pick blueberries and cranberries and, and things like that and to have that all winter long it's it's the same thing, you know. It, it, we have a commercial kitchen here that the Kentucky Colonels helped to fund, um, and so if somebody wants to put up, you know, the produce that they grew during the summer, we have the facilities here to do that.
1: And the traditional arts. Uh, talk to me uh, about what how a Heinemann contributes to uh, so much of what uh, Appalachia and all of Kentucky, but Eastern Kentucky um, relates to um, music and songwriting and traditional music? Uh, what what did you find here that uh, is so exciting?
0: Um, I really liked, um, especially some of the podcasts and, and recordings that I was able to find uh, prior to my coming to the interview. And the focus on inspiring young kids to, to take up those instruments, I think without that, you know, there's a tendency to let it slip away and, and to lose that from the community. And it's such an important part of the community's identity that it'd be a shame if young people were lured away by their devices, you know, their, their iPhones and, and things like that and their video games. There's so much um, value you know, to be able to, you know, the discipline it takes to practice and get better and the collaboration when you're playing with a group and I think there's a lot of uh, you know, support for the idea that it also helps you to perform better in other areas of your life in terms of you know academic performance and all of that when you've developed the discipline and I think there's something you know, in the neural pathways that get created when you are able to um, play music and play an instrument. So I think it's all part of the complex, you know, puzzle that is, you know, building a strong community. I'm talking with Will Anderson,
1: the executive director of the Heinemann Settlement School. Will is uh, just into the position and into Kentucky about a month or so, so he's uh, brand new. We're going to talk to him a little bit more about the Heinemann Settlement School right after we hear from our underwriter, our wonderful friends at Spalding University.
0: The Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing offers students intellectual rigor, emotional support, affordability, flexibility, and community at the world's first certified compassionate university. From certificate to terminal degree, the programs at Spalding School of Writing foster lifelong writing habits and help you forge a lasting writing community. Learn more at spalding.edu schoolofwriting school of writing or email Writing at spaulding.edu. Well, um, if
1: you had to, uh, and you probably did this, describe uh, this place to your relatives or to your friends, there is a story uh, about two uh, well-known writers, one a Kentuckian and one a New Yorker. Uh, the New Yorker was the famous uh, feminist uh, Gloria Steinem, and the, her friend was the Kentucky-born, now Berea uh, resident, uh, Bell Hooks, who in the uh, 60s and 70s, you probably know, was a, uh, uh, somewhat of a, a radical feminist in her own right. Uh, she wrote a lot and uh, then decided uh, to turn to poetry, and uh, she's still writing some children's books. Uh, she's in residence at uh, Berea uh, College And she told the story one time that when she announced to her New York friends that she was leaving New York for Kentucky, they said, what on earth would you ever do that for? And we're only going to give you a short time before you're back here in New York. I would imagine that maybe you had similar stories that uh, you uh, could tell about the friends or family that uh, you said... Uh, when you announced that you were going to Hanman, Kentucky, and they might not have even found it on the map.
0: That is true. And I did get lots of, you know, Kentucky, because I don't think that was ever on the radar of any of my family from Alaska, or I have a lot of family in Washington State. It was a bit of a shock. I have to admit that. And if I were to kind of explain why I love it here so much, I would have to say that, I have never been to a friendlier place in my life. I think I must have heard 25 times people say to me, "If you need anything, I live right there. Don't hesitate. Whatever you need, I'll try to help." And it's genuine. It's it's not, you know, just lip service that people are really that friendly here. And it's such a um comforting place uh to really put down roots so i'm I'm very happy to be here.
1: What else have you learned uh, that people have told you because you really haven't had time to to do a lot of traveling I would think in in Kentucky what have others told you about Kentucky um, as as a state as a Commonwealth
0: well, you know I think prior to coming here, I think you know there was a perception you know that it's so you know deep in poverty that it's not a good place to live and nothing could be further from the truth that, you know, sure, there are economic struggles and, you know, it's going to take a lot of work to diversify the economy, those sorts of things. But there is, there are so many strengths here. There's so many really good things about living here. And, you know, my wife, wife and I love to hike and be outdoors. And there's so many opportunities to do that here that, Uh, we feel very, very lucky to be here.
1: If we were, and I hope we can, uh, sit down a year from now and have a similar conversation, but probably a little bit different in tone because you will have been here for for some time, what would you forecast that you might be able to tell me about how you've settled in and, and how you've been embraced by the community and uh, the accomplishments that you set out, the goals that you've set out uh, that you want, want to, uh, to try to best and, uh, and can get to work on those? What, what would you say to me uh, in the future?
0: Well, I think one of the most important things for me is that I am embraced by the community, that I was, I suppose, you know, fearful that being an outsider, that I wouldn't be accepted um, even s- simple things like uh, I was over at a community event a few nights ago, and uh, a nice woman, elderly woman you know can ask me where I was living, and I said, "Well, I live right here in Hindman," and she said well you 're not saying it right and and i can 't even imitate how she said the word Hindman, and and i wouldn 't even want to try because it would be phony you know to try to try to say it the way she said it, but it 's just really true that you know, even in, in the way I speak is very different than a lot of people here to the point where, you know, they recognize that I'm not saying Hyman right. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it it's very uh, interesting to me. But a year from now, I would hope that you would see in me that I had become such a part of the community that, uh, who knows, I might even pick up a little bit of an accent. You never know.
1: <laughs> well, you'll... Um... You'll find out from your relatives uh when you travel back to see them or they come and see you that uh you um you're pronouncing words a little bit differently. It it happens to all of us, I think, at some point in time. Uh Will Anderson is the executive director of the Heinemann Settlement School. Uh we appreciate his time and uh the help that they've given us here uh doing the podcast in Heinemann, certainly one of the most special places in the whole world, uh, I believe, and so many people join me in uh, thinking that too. So Uh, Thank you very much, and uh, we hope to see you again on Think Humanities.
0: Very good. Very much a pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you again.
1: Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.